Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Comeuppance Reviews podcast. This is the Brett Stir speaking. Hey, it's a time man. We're back with DTVC. Hey. Matt Poirier, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. Thanks for having me on again. That was a very spirited introduction, Ty. Well, it's, <laughs> it's our collaborator. Yes. What What up? <laughs> and what a better thing to collaborate on than yes. on our second full movie breakdown. So, you know, just to set this up a bit. So we did a full movie breakdown for the first time on Righteous Kill, a.k.a. the Martin Bomb story. Yes. And... Um, <laughs> It, it got a, uh, a a lot of really nice, excellent feedback from people. Oh, my goodness. People are still listening to it. <laughs> which is great, which is great. So because, you know, we didn't know if we were going to do another one. We were we just didn't know the future of us doing these full movie breakdowns. So when we got all those nice notices for Martin Bomb, uh, yeah. we uh, Martin Bomb. <laughs> we, thought, we thought, OK, well, that encouraged us. So we thought, OK, let's do another one. So what's a movie that we could do a breakdown for that maybe it has certain similarities that we can go into with the righteous kill? And so we thought immediately, Keaton's cop, just like a normal person would think. Yeah, okay, we'll we we'll think that. Yeah, for nineteen ninety. <laughs> right, right. So we thought, okay, we're gonna go from righteous kill to Keaton's cop. And so that's what we're going to do. So, um, and just so people know, this is a full movie breakdown. So there, there will be spoilers. So consider this a spoiler alert because we can't talk about all these scenes in the movie without spoilers. So just, just anyone listening, just keep that in mind. There will be spoilers. Well, we did our best with Righteous Kill, but there's too many great things to talk about, like Moogalot, you know, and Martin Baum and, you know. <laughs> yeah, like... no, well, but, but, but I think we warned people on that one, too. So, you know, just so you know, this, there's going to be spoilers. We'll try to maybe warn you again when there's going to be a big one, but just keep in mind. Oh, OK, we're ready. Matt, are you ready? Are I, you I'm ready? ready for this one for sure. Absolutely. Well, just mentioned Martin Bomb. We can't get too sidetracked with Righteous oh, Kill. Okay. It's so addictive to do Righteous <laughs> Kill. I know, stuff. I know. But we already went down that road, you know. We can't I and mean, we, we we do it on, on you know off the air as much as as, as anyone. But um, Yeah, I know. Actually, we're we're talking talk about every day. We talk about Righteous Kill every day <laughs> of our lives, before and after the movie breakdown. So, but we should jump um, to it. <laughs> yes, yes, we should. So, um, here we go. So, Keaton's Cop, it's from 1990. It's directed by a man named Robert Burge. And he didn't do too much, but he has some other notable credits as a director, which is The Dark Dancer, which is an erotic thriller. Yeah, the same director as Keaton's Cop, has Shannon Tweed. Um, and it's a classic E.T. And also, yeah. he did a movie that I remember for, with the Tweedster. And also, he did uh, a movie called Vasectomy, a, Del- a Delicate Matter, with Paul Sorvino. <laughs> I've heard of that. Which, best video the video store we worked in had. Um, and also, that had Abe Vigoda. So possibly, highly likely, that's where the relationship with Abe Vigoda originated from. Um, Matt, did you see those? No. <laughs> yeah, thoughts on either of those? Well, I, so so Dark Dancer, I've heard of, haven't seen it yet, but I, I have heard of it. And Vasectomy, A Delicate Matter, I've heard of that one as well. So it's interesting. There are movies that I haven't seen, but I've heard of. And Kurt Keen's Cop, of course, has been one that I'd heard of, too, that, that hadn't seen before this. So, um, you know, Robert Burge, he might, you know, for his, his I guess, what, four movies that he's directed, mm-hmm. um, he's he's got, like, the best collection, I guess, of I've heard of them, but I haven't seen the movies. <laughs> right, right. And Keaton's Cop, probably for a lot of people, is that. Um, because it's a canon movie. And as Ty, as you pointed out, you know, canon always had, like, 
how many movies in production? It's like 50 plus movies in production <laughs> at one time. It's so, like, you know, some of them got made, some didn't. You know, there were scripts floating around and some became semi-classics, classics. And this is just another canon movie, I guess, to them. It's another classic. Another classic. <laughs> but not to us because we're single, singling this out. So I think even people that are like really into canon movies might not know about this. Um, now, the plot, as described by IMDb, is thus. When a ruthless mob hitman mistakenly murders the wrong guy, a detective, Lee Majors, and his partner, Don Rickles, are ordered to protect the intended target, Abe Vigoda, in this hard-edged action comedy. Um, so. Well, we want to talk about Jake Barber, Don Rickles? You want to talk about... What <laughs> we'll get to me? Jake Barber. Okay, the, let's start with the beginning. So, it's, so this movie takes place in Galveston, Texas. And so, you know, <laughs> I guess you could say that uh, Lee Majors' character... Um, Mike Gable uh, is somewhat of a cop. Would you guys describe him as a cop on the edge? Yeah, he's more disgruntled, you know. He's disgruntled. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact I, I think based on 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 the the definition of cop on the edge, like he doesn't have he, he's clean shaven, but he throws people through windows, and I think the defenestration <laughs> alone has to be cop on the edge ish at least. That's true. And he throws multiple people through windows. That's almost like his trademark. Like he even does it in his off hours because there's a scene that we'll talk about where, you know, his ex-wife is shacking up with someone he doesn't like. And lo and behold, he throws him out the window. And also he throws bad guys out the window. And so I guess the WYC, as we call him, the white yelling chief, who in this case looks like Phil Donahue, says, you know, Mike Gable, he's always throwing people out the window. He has some line like that. So obviously they know about his uh, defenestrative uh, uh, proclivities. How about that? Um, so uh it's he's a galveston texas based cop he he he's disgruntled he's i guess he's not fully on the edge but you know he yeah he's on the edge yeah that's a good point but but but, you know he he seems kind of run down by life there's empty beer and liquor cans all over his beach house he he when he brushes his teeth in the morning he gargles with beer Um, (laughs) well like you do like (laughs) we've all been there but that's Mike Gable's life, you know. I mean, he has his ex-wife problems. He, you know, he he has he has some issues. You know, he's he's not a perfect person. To quote Hubastank. Um, Wait, so the reason is not him, or what is that? <laughs> so like, no, the reason is the reason is him. Okay, um, the reason is you. Gable, okay. Um, as you know, and then Matt, you'll appreciate this. You know, a cheaters was hosted in the latter seasons by Clark Gable the third. Oh yes. So. Possible connection here. His name is Mike Gable. Um, I'm Clark right. Gable. <laughs> he, he was, he's, he's the uncle who taught Clark Gable III his great investigative skills. Right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, yes. You, you want to hold up the tablet and be like, dude, your, your, your chick is totally hooking up with this other guy. What do you think, man? <laughs> with a exactly. sleeve of tattoo on yes. holding the tablet. Yeah. Absolutely. He always has that tablet. Like, look, look at this footage. Look at this footage. It's like, <laughs> well, you know. Gomez, you know. Oh, here we go. Okay, deliver- here okay we go sorry. Gomez again. All right, we're not going to go down the Gomez. <laughs> okay, fine. Quick Gomez. Quick Gomez. Okay, fine. Um. All right, but anyway, so. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, I have nothing else. To say. I, I'm trying to go back on track here. So. Okay. Uh, okay. So you know he has a he has a really nice beach house and you know he has a good job and a very like well behaved, well mannered son. So you'd think Mike Gable has a lot to live for. Um, so Jimmy is his name, right? Jimmy, yeah, he, and we'll get and to his him. Dog named Blue. 
Blue, and Blue is as himself, which we'll also talk about. (laughs) So he's in Galveston, kind of living maybe not his best life, but, you know, trying. And um, he's throwing baddies out the window. Then we cut to a golf course in Miami. And some, uh, you know, possible baddies are, are golfing it up, but then they get shot by some assassins. So then we think, okay, what's going on here? Then we go back to Galveston, which we don't really say, but we kind of see by... You know, by implication that we're now back in Galveston. Um, and uh, so then we get a glimpse of Mike Gable's beach house in his life. Um, he's kind of disheveled, but he has this loyal dog, Blue. Um, let's see. Um, what else do we have? Thoughts on that, guys? Well, Matt, go ahead. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think we, we, we've we got an established cop on the edge. Um, I think to maybe, you know, Kind of, I, I mean, I'm not, not trying to compare this completely to a righteous kill, but I think Lee Majors in his <laughs> early 50s is is essentially the part that you know we're supposed to believe in in, in righteous kill that that De Niro and and Pacino are actually the age um, that that he is that Lee Majors is, but <laughs> I, you know the thing is is the Don Rickles part, right? That his partner's Don Rickles, which I already get to, but mm. yeah, it, it's. You know, I think at this point we've established that, that Lee Majors is, is – I don't know if we've established it enough, but it's enough for us that he's a cop on the edge. <laughs> right, and right. I really like and, the dog. Uh, and, and there's some really good dog acting. And just kind of, you know, to keep his dog, you know, out of trouble, he puts him on a treadmill and possibly to lose some weight. You don't see that too often. He, you know, Mike Gable doesn't use his treadmill, you know, because he's, you know, he's, he's guzzling he's down too many Miller lights. But, but, but Lou uses punch. it. He does, but you know it's kind of funny because his partner is Don Rickles. So in this situation, Lee Majors is the young buck. Of, of <laughs> the, isn't one even older coming soon? Right. <laughs> right. So it's you know it's a multi generational thing, but that that comes in handy later with the relationship between Keaton and um, uh, like a love interest. No, 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 no. Between Keaton and Don Rickles. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Okay, so he puts his dog in the treadmill. Then it, on the radio, he hears the song, I guess the theme song in the movie, Better Watch Out, Keaton's Gonna Get You, Better Watch Out, Keaton's Gonna Get You. So that's on the radio. So maybe, you know, Keaton is like a local celebrity and that's known. It's kind of like, you know, first off, Keaton is very old. And I think I said yeah. this in the movie, should I be worried that he's going to get me? I mean, <laughs> yeah, Louis Keaton's going to get you. It's like, okay. <laughs> How's that song on the radio, though? Well, maybe it's like, you know, that, you know, like those, what do you call them? Like, they're like those Mexican ballads that they sing about killers and, um, you know what I'm talking about? And it's like that. It's like a local legend kind of thing. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's also kind of like in Back to the Future where on the radio, he, he can uh, go Marty go. And uh, you know what I'm talking about with the Huey Lewis in the news? I says go oh, Marty. That made more. Oh, yeah. 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 Go Marty. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> okay, so it's not long until now we're introduced to uh, Mike Gable's partner, um, who is played by Don Rickles, of course. And Jake Barber. His name's Jake, Jake Barber. Jake Barber, everybody. Jake Barber, everybody. And um, <laughs> I guess, you know, we don't get to know too much about Jake Barber, except for the fact that he likes cherry candy. That's pretty that's good like character. That's enough character development. That's enough character <laughs> development for us. Um, he offers Mike cherry candy and he offers Jimmy some cherry candy. He says he likes the cherry candy. And spoiler alert, when he get when he dies, he says like something about cherry candy. So he lives and dies by his cherry candy. 
Well, he really does, doesn't he? <laughs> Which is kind of setting up the old person thing, because, you know, they tend to like hard candies and, and uh, Reese, Werther's Reese's, Originals. And... Werther's Originals. That's kind of, I think that might be like I a mean, It does have a pretty good taste. It is butterscotch. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, do, you that, like, do you like Werther's Originals, uh, Matt or Brad? Or? Um, I mean, I've nothing against them, you know. Okay. I've okay. never had one in a while. I, I... You don't think to buy them at the store? Nah, you get him at your you know, grandmother or grandpa's house. But you know, we're getting older, so I don't know what's going on. So you're going to develop taste for them, is what you're saying. Eventually, when I go to the Keaton's Cop old folks home. <laughs> so after throwing some baddies out a window, he goes to pick up his son Jimmy for his, uh, you know, because that's part of his shared custody. She's kind of a grump. You know, she's kind of like a sourpuss. She doesn't really like Keaton, or not Keaton, um, Gable. Mike Gable. Yeah. Mike Gable. Her name's Marsha, by the way. Um, the For son memory is, well i have my notes right in front of me um and uh the son is kind of like he's like a jtt type you know like jonathan taylor thomas he's kind of like he's like this cherub cherubic little kid but he's very agreeable and he's very nice he's like yeah and he really wants to go to the let's circus. go to school let's go to the circus or the zoo <laughs> yeah no he wants to go to the circus and it's as ty and i were saying it's kind of like nowadays these kids are on their damn phones and tablets and everything yeah. back in 1990 it was more than enough a kid to want to go to the circus which i don't know if kids are interested in going to the circus anymore but but jimmy certainly is matt thoughts on uh, jimmy and the circus well yeah because i i recently saw um a, is it a time to die the um tracy lord's pm oh, flick. Yeah. oh that's her, right yeah her son is like a weird pm version of jimmy gable right like he, <laughs> he wears like suits and he makes gross peanut butter sandwiches where jimmy gable doesn't wear suits but and, and he asks you know um uh, uh you know that the uh he asks for a peanut butter sandwich. It's like a very unique, it's like PM took, it's almost like PM watched this movie and said, we're going to take Jimmy Gable and just PMify him completely. The only thing he doesn't <laughs> is do is drive kid, an exploding yeah. car. So yeah. is that the kid who's playing with his action figures and says, I'm going to smoosh you. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes. I remember that because we always would talk about that. We were talking about that one. Yeah, but, yeah. All right. So now we, I believe we're now introduced to Louis Keaton played by Abe Pagoda. Yeah who is sort of like a retired mobster who is in an old folks home and he's playing cards with his buddy Goldberg and, um, um, and they're playing, uh, they're playing blackjack and Keaton is the dealer and Goldberg is saying, hit me on pretty much every card. 19. Yeah. 19. (laughs) And, um, but it shows that Keaton for all his flaws or his past, he's not a cheat. He doesn't cheat his friend just because he can't hear or see too well, which I think possibly, if I'm not reading into this too much, right off the bat shows that he's not entirely a bad guy. Like, it, you know, they, um, what, there's a phrase for that in script writing. Um, it's like, save the cat, I think it's called. What does it say? He's a pagoda of a heart of gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a heart of pagoda. Yeah. He's a heart of pagoda. Uh, but so someone right off the bat, if they save a cat, before you even know anything about them, you know that they're a good person with some morals. And I think that's what this scene is supposed to show. Thoughts on that? Uh, hey, that's, that's a good observation. He, he seems like he cares about being in the old folks' home for the most part. I think he just doesn't like being old. <laughs> well, well, and yeah, then there are some references to that that he says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is that there's always that trope in these or, you know, that that device, that plot device in these movies where the people who get killed 
a lot of times they're either extras who we're not supposed to care about or they're they're people that somehow like play a part in their own demise and it's a it's an interesting take on that here that the reason why this guy uh able to go to his friend who gets this mistaken for him so we're about to say you know um it's because he can't count and can't play blackjack well. And that's supposed to be like, he's like, well, yeah, of course, he's more of a schlub. He gets killed and Abe Pagoda makes it through the whole movie kind of thing. Um, it's because, you know, how many of those movies, right? Like, you know, the person like freaks out and, they, you know, they're being held hostage. They freak out, run away and they get killed. And all everybody else who stays cool survives like that, that kind of thing. It's interesting that they do it here that it's like we're supposed to be like a little less sympathetic with this guy because he can't count. Like if he'd been a better counter, maybe he would have seen the bad guy coming. <laughs> It's possible. I, you know, he he had some well-established um, hearing and vision problems. Um, but that but that aside, so what happens is some possibly the same assassins that run the Miami golf course now make it to Galveston and they're they want to take out Keaton. But mistakenly and sadly, they kill Goldberg, the guy who wants to hit on 19, you know, Keaton's buddy. Yeah, I felt bad. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh poor but, Goldberg. But on the bright side, the these kind of crazy characters, these these assassins, are blasting a song called Wild in the Streets by a band called Meat Meat, and um, which adds this whole kind of funny tone to the scene. Like it's it it's that's what's funny about this movie. It's like at some point it's there's like murders and people being shot and killed, but other times there are these very wacky characters and situations, and they have this gigantic car. It's like a I don't know what that is. It's like a, it's like two Cadillacs, like welded together. Like it's very, very, very long, and it, and it's a convertible, and they're blasting the song. Um, Matt, do you remember the song by Meet Me? Yes, I do. That was absolutely fantastic because they, they play it in, in two separate occasions. It's almost like they only had enough for one hair metal song, so they just used it <laughs> uh, for both times that the guy was driving their car. Right, and 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 here's something interesting. Good. If in the credits we saw that that song was written by Neil Morse. Now, as a fan of Neil Morse and uh, his band Spock's Beard and Transatlantic and his solo material, this is very funny and amusing to hear because, like, his later stuff is so like sophisticated and elegant and very very different. But you know, you got to start somewhere. And I, and knowing Neil Morse and how smart he is and what a good musician he is. I feel like this Wild in the Street song is like a very kind of tongue-in-cheek and almost insulting, like he's making fun of hair metal, I think. Um, um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, but anyway, then we get some more of the chief who uh, looks like Phil Donahue, and he yells <laughs> and... Um, uh, had, Donahue had another show in the early 2000s before the Iraq War, and then he got cancelled. It's just like... Do you remember this? Um, he had a 0, 0.0 rating on the Nielsen yes, scale. Yes, I, I yes, I do remember that. Like, uh, was that on CNBC uh, or something? It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he was competing with McEnroe, and uh, it yeah. didn't go well. Um, um, also, at the old folks' home, we're introduced to um, uh, Keaton's nurse, played by Tracy Brooks Swope, who becomes the love interest for Mike Gable. Um, what do you, do you guys know her from anything? The name does sound familiar. I mean, I have to look up her filmography. Um, her her name in the movie is Susan. Else. She's Susan in the movie. Oh, and uh, she kind of gets wrapped up in all this. I mean, you know, she's kind of caught between wanting to protect Louis Keaton from Mike Gable, but then she realizes, well, you know, know she's caught she's, in the middle between the two. I know she's on episode of the A-Team oh. in season three. And I know we've seen a movie with her called Terminal Entry. Oh, she's in Terminal Entry. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, it looks like she was in Countermeasures, a uh, Michael Dudikoff uh, subslog. Oh, that's oh, right, Christopher right, Titus? Right. No, that's Crash Dive. Um, <laughs> they got yeah. the fake Christopher Titus in the Countermeasures. Right, exactly, yeah. She was a Captain Blake, so she was one of those, like... Um, what, what, how did they do that in those movies where it was like you'd have the, the female officer and they would have to do like, they'd have to make sure you knew it was a female officer. And like maybe she like I can remember if she was like tough or something. I can't remember. But um, they're always trying to pull the whole Aaron Gray. I think it was Aaron Gray. I think it was the fall guy where Aaron Gray was in her her Navy officer's outfit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Lee, yeah, yeah. To Lee Majors. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. So yeah, they, but yeah, you got to wear the, the 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 cute Navy officer's outfit. That's, you have to have uh, like a tight shirt and your hair pulled back and go, sir, right. yes, sir. Yeah, exactly with the skirt and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Exactly. Which I think is probably a lot influenced by um, a few good men and Demi Moore and yeah. trying to go after that kind of look, possibly. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ty, you made a comment when Gable first shows up at the old folks' home. That he is a prospective client. Yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of you know, too, shopping yeah. around. The shopping around is like, yeah, I feel like they might be going there soon. So this is taking a look. Well, well, <laughs> the thing I love about Rickles is that he's like five years younger than Abe Bogota. And they even talk about how they knew each other back in the day. But, but it's Go like ahead. it's like the difference between old folks home and active duty police officer is like five years. <laughs> very right? so fine you retire line. And five years later, you're in the old folks home. Yeah, very fine line, which is one of the very amusing things about this movie. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Ty, you also expressed fears that he was going to immediately throw Louis Keaton out the window. Yeah, because I thought so. Whenever Mike Gable shows up anywhere, as we've seen so far in the movie, he shows up and throws whoever he doesn't like out the window. So that I guess there's, amazing. there's no real reason to think that he wasn't going to do that. I, I know. I thought he hated him. Like, he really I, hates everybody, Mike Gable. It's like <laughs> called him Mike Cable. But it's like, it's like, um, which was very, uh, you know, inexpensive at the time. In 1989, I thought you were comparing this movie to Gamer. Oh, his name was just regular Cable the K. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the, the X-Men character cable oh, oh him too yeah so yeah <laughs> two different kind of cables we got the classic our tv cable and we got our gamer cable <laughs> right. cable. so from here we get some interplay between we'll pull the plug in that conversation <laughs> okay between rickles and vigoda aka barber and keaton we get some backstory between them how you know it's a classic story of how they knew each other in the olden times and one became a cop and the other became a gangster um but now we see it from a perspective we don't usually see. Like, you know, in the old time movies, you'd be like Edward G. Robinson and Humphrey Bogart, and they're in their prime. Now it's kind of like after their prime. Well, yeah. And uh, then you see Abe Vigoda and Don Rickles, mostly a com- comedic actors or right. comedians talking. It's, it's mo- mostly serious, too. Yeah. So right. Because they said they're, both of their fathers worked a shrimp boat together, <laughs> which is <laughs> sure. Um, this is like 12 Angry Men, the remake, where Tony Danza <laughs> still sells marmalade. This is 1997. It's like they forgot I mean, to update was, that. So I suppose you know, their fathers, which God only knows when that would have been, in the 1910s, maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, we're in 1899, yeah, And so oh. because of their father's connection with, you know, via the shrimp boat, they kind of got to know each other. Um, whereas Keaton became a bookmaker. So again, he... He's not like killing people so much. He's kind of just really? like he's kind of a low level gangster. 
Right, but he acts like a high-level one. So maybe exactly. he's successful, maybe not. We don't really know, but they, they didn't say he was like a head buster. They said he was, you know, a bookmaker, you know, so he was like doing probably the numbers racket or something to that effect. I always wanted to do that because when do you get the numbers? It's every week or is this like – well, they, well the the government does it now it's called the lottery they took oh, yeah. over, the government took over the numbers racket I and mean, that's really what happened it. but uh, i want to go back to the original numbers with the gangsters it's like well, you might have a chance to, to talk to keaton <laughs> i'll try um, keaton's gonna get me so i best not so and and in this discussion they talk about and i quote the old code of honor you know so they're kind of bringing in the fact that it's it's kind of different these days with these crazy gangsters with their meat meat and and how and how things used to be um and so there's sort of like a discrepancy there that they actually talk about um yeah, no one has any respect anymore you know they always say that it's like and but then we kind of go to a scene where the two hitmen are almost in like in bed together and it's kind of highly implied that they're gay um, <laughs> heavily implied <laughs> well i mean but, but one of them is kind of like teasing the other one. So I can't really tell if maybe one isn't gay or yeah. if it's even important. But they have this weird thing where they're sharing a hotel room and one comes out of the shower and the other one's there almost naked. And But yeah. isn't he reading like a Playboy or something? So I, yeah, I know. it's all it's, very confusing. Uh, yes. <laughs> Matt, yeah. thoughts on these gay gangsters? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, one of the things, too, is going back to the actual hit that they perform. Um, it's it's almost like an Andy Sidaris like hitmen kind of thing right Remember the, the, <laughs> that's the, true those, it is like that yeah. yeah those two guys that would always like you know do goofy stuff and eventually they'd be like on a on, on a you know some kind of hydro coil whatever some kind of you know cutesy aquatic device and get blown up but um um you know it's like they the, the hitman he i guess it, I, it was it wasn't it was like kind of like implied that either they were gay or that was part of their cover but the thing I don't understand about having a cover is you go into a, 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 a retirement community, a nursing home, to to kill one of the residents there, and instead of like trying to be as as surreptitious as possible, trying to get in and get out with as few people seeing you as possible, the hitman actually goes to like everybody on a different floor and says, "How do I get to room 302? Can, can you show me where 302 <laughs> right, right. is?" And it's like, "Oh, and now there's a dead body in 302, so maybe the guy who was asking how to get to 302 the whole time is the one who committed the murder." Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's just great, great hitmen. They they do great work. <laughs> they really well, do. Uh, and also they show up, you know, blasting loud heavy metal music in the most conspicuous car imaginable. And so what do they need a cover story about being gay? I kind of feel like that was just maybe something they didn't really need. And they uh, were just having a little bit of fun on the side. Like, yeah, we need a cover story. Yeah, we're gay. Yeah, that's right. a ticket. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's not all fun and it's not all fun and gays because we now <laughs> something tragic does happen. And in the midst of this melee and a shootout that ensues, Jake Barber, Don Rickles, gets shot with a shotgun. Now, I, I don't I know can... how many other movies <laughs> this happens in where you get to see Don Rickles shot by a shotgun. But I can only imagine that Keaton's cop is the only one. And for that alone, I think it should get some points for originality. You would think. And he mentioned something as his last words were about cherry candy also. Of course they are. Well, it looked good. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, but it is, yeah, it did. And it's, there's blood all over Don Rickles and it, it's, it's all he very blood strange. in his ear. I just thought it was kind of interesting uh, <laughs> touch there. It's like, wow, you're really, you're like gored him up on that one. It's like, just... no, this, you know, this is tragic for me to see. I mean, I'm a con also like Neil Morris. I'm a confirmed Don Rickles fan. I mean, I, I own his book. I read his book, Rickles book. And, and I have, you still have the comedy app? album. 
Oh, when I, here's, here's an interesting fact about me. Okay. Um, when I first got in a smartphone, an iPhone, the first app I ever downloaded was the Don Rickles app. I didn't know there was a Don Rickles app. Oh. There is. It, and it's still totally on my phone today. Yeah, you tap his face and he calls you a hockey puck. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, hockey puck. Like, yeah, it's, it's, so, so I don't know if it's still around in the app store, but download it today. And, um, <laughs> and I have his uh, comedy album. I'm, I'm probably more than one, but it's called Hey Dummy. And, um, <laughs> hey, you're dummy. Uh, it's like, and I, I love Don Rickles. I, I feel like he is just so great and so needed in today's politically correct times. Just listening to him and seeing him to me is like a bomb for my soul. You know, it's just like he's just such an I mean, he's Wait, did you say he, Martin Baum for your soul? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Um, well, Martin Baum's not all our souls. You know? now, but here, here's a question I wanted to bring up with the group. Now, when we when we see the emotions of Mike Gable at this point, a.k.a. Lee Majors, possibly, is it that it's Mike Gable's character that he doesn't seem to care about much? Or is it are we in like a Burt Reynolds uh, situation Ooh, where there's a lot of just open contempt for the material and he just doesn't care? I think it's a mixture of both. OK, so is it Mike Gable? Is it Lee Majors? Does he care? Does he not I feel like we might need to untangle it's this. It's mostly his character because he's always disgruntled. Because Lee Majors, he didn't look bored when he made the Fall Guy for like 100 episodes. <laughs> we probably um, like those paychecks maybe his, more. Yeah, well, maybe his <laughs> voice. You know, sometimes his voice sounds a little tired. Lee Majors. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we could be, we could be charitable. Jay Barber, too. yeah, you're Jerry Kennedy. <laughs> like, yep. Jerry Kennedy. Majors. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and we could just say that this is all, you know, his character. It, it's actually yeah, this it's, is method acting. Yeah, it's, it's Gable. So this is Gable acting. Yeah, I don't call him method <laughs> acting. It's called Gable acting. So then, you know, and also in this shootout, you know, I believe Gable kills the two punks. So they yeah, die. Awesome. So so they, they pay the price. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's some shooting and oh. blowups. You know, kind of putting this in the action category, more in Cannon's wheelhouse. Well, uh, wait, what, Matt, what was your opinion on uh, Lee Major's performance? <laughs> So I think, it, like you said, maybe a mixture of both, but I think also, too, I think if he was bored with the material and just wanted to get this thing over with and get the paycheck, he could easily lean on, no, I was just playing the character if anybody ever questioned him. So I think it's, I bet that's probably what he was doing, like, behind the scenes. I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Burge was like, hey, hey, come on, Lee, your, your, your partner of 30 years or whatever is dying here. Could you give us a little more? No, Mike Gable wouldn't give you a little more. This is how Mike Gable will play it. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to argue with you, Lee. Uh, let's we'll, we'll do it again. You know, I, I, that's my hunch anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's a good hunch. I, I, it's highly likely. Uh, so then after this whole brouhaha. R.I.P. Jake Barber. R.I.P. Um, Jake Barber. Yeah. This is like, uh, what was his name in um, Righteous Kill? Oh, um, oh. The, uh, oh, a Stubby? Or, uh, stubby, chubby? yeah, thank you. Stubby. Stubby, uh, uh, stubby okay. no. Yeah, so this is the no Stubby no moment in this. Yeah, movie. this is Jake Barber no. Um <laughs> But but in a way, this is almost a necessary thing because was what would Jake Barber kind of gave his life for the cause. In other words, he what was he going to do? End up at that old folks' home like Louis and, and, I think and that's play what blackjack? He was saying, you know, but he, he didn't want <clears throat> so to he, do that. So much like Bon Jovi, he went out in a blaze of glory. And <laughs> and and so and what we learn though is that both Mike Gable and Louis Keaton have Jake in common. So right. Jake the, is like the access between now. them. Yeah. So that his death almost bonded them together because now uh, Louis is now in protective custody. He's uh, he's under 
the control of Mike Gable and the police department. So they were kind of like, he, he has him under, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, because they know all the, the hitmen are trying to kill him. So they put him in protective custody with Mike Gable kind of at the head of all this. Um, and they're driving around and almost they team up. So it's, so we have Louis, we have an unlikely buddy cop situation now with a, an elderly former possible gangster with a disgruntled Mike Gable. And so that's kind of where we are at this point in the movie. I hope they don't kill each other first. It's like, <laughs> it could have been a show. That could have been a TV show. Keaton's Cop sounds like a show because Keaton's Cop is a very weird title. Right. So and like, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so Wait, now what? after this well, sort of one more thing I want to mention. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So think about this for a second. So Don Rickles, he yes. gets shot with a shotgun in a movie. Correct. Correct. That's, the sentence, and it's like it's like if like Buddy Hackett got killed with a shotgun in a movie. With a hacksaw. Like, with a hacksaw. Um, yeah, Buddy Hacksaw. <laughs> um, no, I see. Like, you know, yeah, we did kind of touch upon that briefly. That it's very strange. But you know, this came out well, in 1990. It was probably shot in 89. You know, this was a crazy, wild time for movies and crazy well, stuff happened. Let's go back in time just for fun for a second, because it's like so if Don Rickles gets shot with a shotgun and Buddy Hackett gets killed with a hacksaw. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like we can go back to the old timey people for a second. Like, I cannot get think of any. But, red buttons. You know, uh, red buttons or a, uh, Danny K. You know, red buttons yeah. get shot with a uh, silencer or something. <laughs> just like, um, well, well, because the other thing too yeah. is that this is a Don Rickles who does not tell a single joke the entire time. Excellent point. And yeah. you know, I think with him with Abe Vigoda, I mean, those were classic. You know, th- those were those are common. I mean, obviously, Don Rickles was the keynote speaker usually at most of uh, Dean Martin's celebrity rows. But Abe <laughs> right. Vigoda would be there a lot, too, just so that, that, that people could make jokes about how old he was. Um, but the two of them, it, you know, what we needed, at least we, we needed them to, to roast uh, uh, Lee Majors or at least, you know, Mike Gable a little bit. But the fact that we don't get any jokes from Rickles makes this even more fascinating, right? That like that he he shows up in this movie, he wears a, 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 a trilby hat or whatever. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, he, he, he there's there's scenes where he's just sitting in a car with Lee Majors, not even saying anything like they're listening to the radio and they don't even say oh. anything. It just, you know, yeah. just, you know, that's a whole other thing. Oh, trilby hat, trilby Glover. Just want to go back. Trilby, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> All goes back to Righteous. Yeah, um. it's like like there's just there's no like it's 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 the most fascinating of Rickles performances ever that that uh, that you'd ever get in in a film and and it's almost as if like Rickles was just like listen my my agent wants me to do actual Rickles stuff so if you can get me out of here as soon as possible and they're like okay let's kill you off in the first act beautiful that's great right. you know because I can't I can't be seen in a movie where I'm not making fun of somebody for you know for five minutes um, that's true I would I mean, like to have seen that it's like. Yeah. But the you thing kind is, of miss it. But go ahead, what's Matt, interesting, please. though, is that of all the movies to say he wanted to stretch, say he didn't right. want to be the guy who was making the wisecracks. The fact that he picked Keaton's cop for, to be that movie <laughs> is so interesting. <laughs> you know, I mean, he could have he probably could have done it in a more, quote unquote, prestigious film. Mm-hmm. But he, he did it here. I mean, maybe he really wanted to see Galveston, Texas. I don't know. <laughs> but he. uh <laughs> but you're right. It's it's unorthodox. It's unusual. Rickles, you know. And uh, I mean, it, it's worth a look for that alone. It's kind of a curio. Yeah. <laughs> but at this point in the movie, you know, <clears throat> we had that excitement at the nursing home. So then it kind of switches gears a bit, and we go more into the romance between Susan and Mike Gable. And uh, you know, 
after all this excitement, he shows kind of Susan his more sensitive side. They walk on the beach at sunset. Well, um, no, they they show Mike Gable ta- uh, singing with the old folks group. Like, well, yeah, I didn't want to. That's true. Was that's, that that's, was that that's before sort of, Rickles passes away or after? It must have been because he wouldn't. They wouldn't have been doing that after that. So right, uh, no, it's, it's it's when um the the, the the it's when so what happens is is that remember they go to question Abe Vigoda about the killing about the about Goldberg getting murdered and you know um the nurse is kind of like not want doesn't like Keaton's cop on the edge rough interrogation style but Rickles goes in and gives him the old soft shoe and 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 um you know plays the the the, the old you know our dads were on the shrimp boat together card <laughs> and now Abe opens up to him so she has this idea in her head that Mike Gable's just a jerk who throws people out the window and gives old men a hard time about you know interrogations and then she sees him playing the piano and and it's also kind of harkens back to that scene where Don Rickles is like telling Mike, uh, Mike Gable, he can't get his son back unless he finds a good girl and then he can apply for custody. And now it's like, oh, could this nurse be the good girl? And and, and she's, you know, uh, loves the fact that he's playing the piano and, and singing with right. the old folks. Right. And the second he starts playing the piano, all the older people like are standing around him singing with him. So he has this <laughs> Very immediate weird scene. Kind of magnetism, like it's just happening. Like there's no setup to that. They basically just cut right to it. Yeah, um, and you see Tracy Brooks going, "Oh, okay, Gable's all right. <laughs> Gable's not such a bad guy. I like guy. Gable now. I could marry this guy, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is marriage material. He he can play yeah. the piano and get old folks to rally around him. Right. So obviously that's why they went out on this kind of beach date together. Uh, in on this beach date, uh, <laughs> Lee Majors is wearing quite possibly the shortest shorts I've seen for some time. They're very short. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of disturbing. They're, they're wings housery short, right? <laughs> yeah, like Wingshauser PM short. Um, yeah, those are Wingshauser yeah. shorts. It's like... So they can only, that must have been the style at the time to yeah. to have like short shorts for men. <laughs> it brings them back to their their childhood, right? They're like you know because they were they, all of these people were old enough that they would have worn short pants for a long period of time until they were a certain age, and so then. Um, yeah, so they, they go back to it being like, yeah, that's right, Mom. I'm going to wear the short pants again, you know. I'll, I'll show you, Mom. <laughs> that, that must be Yeah, yeah Mom. <laughs> so, um, so then um, I wrote down food, so they must they must have eaten food. I don't remember oh, why they, I wrote down. Oh, they got some oysters? Uh, or, no, I think that happens later where he's eating the oysters and tries. Um, but then there's uh, the Walter assassin out window. So I'm guessing um, there's an assassin named Walter that now appears. Is this is kind of like John Wick? All these like assassins just kind of like start like. So John you know, Wick stole from Keaton's cop, as you I, would. I, obviously, because <laughs> you know. I love Keaton's cop. Ava Gota, great. Yeah. Because uh, all these different. John Rickles. Yeah. All these different assassins from all over are all trying to kill Keaton. Yeah. The um, spoiler uh, alert, uh, just oh, to let okay. anybody who's who, who's concerned about animals, um, we can let you know right now that nothing happens to Blue. Blue Blue yeah, makes good. it through the movie unscathed. Yeah. So if you're I love if you think dog, of John yeah. Wick comparisons, that's one area where that John Wick decided to go darker than this movie. Right, right, right. Um, so now the the team up with Keaton is official. They're on a ferry boat. Which I remember this. It's like because I've seen this movie maybe four times. At I've least seen three it like times. two or three times. I think I've seen it three kind or of four insane. times. Um, <laughs> three times. Uh, and so and then there's a, they're like talking on a ferry boat, you know, and and Keaton is dressed to the nines. He has like a very fancy hat. He has like a full <laughs> suit. Um, and then you know Keaton says, "Well, why are we on this ferry boat?" And then Keaton says, "Oh, I like ferry boats." And so there's really no reason for it except for that Keaton likes to 
be on one. Uh, but it, it kind of cements their their partnership, their possible friendship. I don't know if you say no, they're, they're best buddies now. You know, well, not well. I mean, it's it's you know, it's fire and ice. It's kind of like opposites attract kind of thing. <laughs> right. You know, the personalities are very different. Well, up to the but they MC have cat, MC Scat Cat said that, <laughs> and Paul Abdul. <laughs> that is That's true, what... and that I'm sure a lot of people have made that comparison. Well, um, between <laughs> them wait, and well, I think, did that come out the same time frame as Keaton's guy? I, I think I'm it thinking, did. Yeah. yeah. What happened right. to MC Scat Cat? He should have had it's like another well, song, you know. Well, get, I, was, like, I think he got in a full album after that, so I need know. to buy that. Can you find that for me, Brett? <laughs> I'll, I'll keep an eye out. Because yeah, he, but, he had know, a single on MTV after that song, and it, it like it, it barely. I don't even think it made it onto like Yo MTV Raps or anything like that. <laughs> I just see um, that. I just see Ed Lover's like, "Whoa, we got the new hot single from MC Scat Cat." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it shows he's not much without Paula, you know, and they yeah. kind of have, because, you know, as we've seen in Keaton's cop and that song opposites attracting was very big at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, that was something people were interested in seeing. Okay. So now so we have an interesting confrontation with a guard at this building. Oh, that's yes, going to become yes, important later. Yeah. Who, he's ahead, eating please. a sandwich. <laughs> a lot of the sandwich is on his face slash beard. <laughs> and the, so they, why are they at this property? You know, there's there's something interesting going on here because there's maybe this whole Keaton you know scenario where everyone's trying to kill him could relate back to this certain piece of property and it's right. guarded by this kind of slovenly man. Um, because did they mention uh, like the semi-villain of the piece already, or you know, uh, which is Big Mama? I, I don't even think we've gotten to Big Mama. Wow, that's the lady. I think Big Mama's the the I mean, we've heard about her. We've heard about okay. her. She's, play, she's played by June Wilkinson, who is kind of an interesting. Yes, that's why I remember that. I think, was June Wilkinson in Snowline, Brett? I believe she was. If you saw a lot of June, June Wilkinson on the website back in the day, like, that's all we had, which is a bunch of June Wilkinson. <laughs> so maybe this confrontation with, uh, with as, as I call them, sandwich guard may, possibly made them... <laughs> Made them hungry, so they go to get Keaton's favorite food, which he can't get in the nursing home, oh, which is oysters and French fries. I hate to cut you off again about that, but yeah. remember, the, um, Keaton gets mad at the guard. He's like, "Well, you're a fat slob. You're not a sandwich." It's like, he's like, "Wants to beat right, him and then, up." And he's gonna fight him, and then he like goes into a fighting stance, and he picks up like a two by four, and yeah. he, wants, <laughs> he wants to take on this guy who won't let him into the building. Matt, yeah. thoughts on this uh, slovenly guard? So, yeah, I mean, well, the, the guard in particular was just absolutely fantastic. And I, I think, he was. you know, and, and I, I, I loved like also that like as like Keaton is trying to break them up, he's also questioning the guard at the same time. Like, who owns this place? What's you know, what what's going on here? You know, stuff like that. And the guard just like, will, like yell out an answer to him. Like, I, I can't. I'm at liberty to tell you that or something. He's like, OK, I'm going to get uh, Abe Vigoda out of here. Um, and then one quick thing going back to the ferry ride. I mm-hmm. learned through this and this was not so I, i'm kind of embarrassed to admit this maybe that i, I maybe i should know my uh, u.s geography better i didn't know gallison was an island that it's not part of mainland oh, texas okay. um when they no. said we're going we're, we're going um what, what did he say we're, we're we're going to the mainland and i was like what does he mean we're going to the mainland isn't galveston the mainland no galveston's the island and then the rest of texas is the mainland so interesting uh, i didn't think i knew it was an island either i just yeah. thought it was maybe on a coast uh, right that's what i thought yeah yeah well, so, so this is educational too. Yeah, you learn things from from a movie like Keaton's Cop. You you know you, uh, and then then it's like the moment you you take in that knowledge, then you get slovenly guard giving you know an aid to pick up a two by four to attack him, which is I I will say back. 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at best scenes in movie history, right, or or movies that you know, like like scenes that would make a movie like this uh, uh, take it to another level. Abe Vigoda picking up a two by four and going to like go take a swing with this big slovenly guard who's got sandwich on his face, and and and, and the guard too like acting like I'm gonna fight you, old man. <laughs> right, like he's gonna go for it. Right, he's not like like would you get this old man away from me before I hurt him? He was like, no, I'm putting up my dukes to to like have a, a, a legitimate fight with you. Absolutely amazing stuff there, and and and, and you know. Lee Majors just sort of, uh, we, you know, we talked about his acting in previous scenes. I mean, he does as great as he can, I guess, with like trying to break that thing up and still deliver his lines. I, I, don't, I don't know if as an actor, if I would be able to handle any of that. And, you know, and to, to be hit by, with a two by four by a Vigoda slash Keaton, what would that be like? Would it, would it knock I mean, you it, out or would it just feel like a gentle tap on the head? I think and, it would half hurt because he okay. still has some strength. But would it slow down the slovenly guard? I don't know. He's, <laughs> you know, he, he had a lot of energy from just <clears throat> eating that sandwich. And, uh, you know, I don't yeah, know. I just, I just work here. Just like, <laughs> yeah, so, so but he, was he playing dumb? I guess we're going to find out. Or is he actually we'll find dumb? out. We don't, know. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know. So then they go to, like, this driving type place where Keaton, you know, gets a food he probably can't get in the old folks' home, which is oysters and Or fries. the joint. He said, like, I didn't have it in the joint. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so he's there ogling some women also, so... And that probably puts them in mind to now go to a strip club owned by a man named Fat Tony, <laughs> where there's more eating and more food-based humor, because um, we see Fat Tony. We're first introduced to a guy named Bruno, who's like a guard in all this. <laughs> yeah, he, I like Bruno. Yeah. And then he, and it doesn't he say like, shut up, Bruno, or something? And he's like, well, how'd you know my name was Bruno? He goes, well, you look like a Bruno. Like, he just yeah. guessed that his name was Bruno, and it <laughs> turned out that it was. Which is also uh, weird, but okay. well, you know what's, what's funny is like so my my, my first novel that I, I I never ended up publishing, so I'm still kind of working on it. But the character in that referred to bouncers as Brunos, and oh. it was like kind of like a joke, like uh, you know um, uh, uh, a brothel that he he went to. The woman who ran the brothel was like, you know, now I'm calling him Bruno, you know, and it was like kind of this joke that completely separate, like unless I either watched Keaton's Cop and didn't remember it or there's something about Keaton's Cop that sort of stuck in my brain. It's a complete polygenesis idea that like this character just referred to all bouncers as Brunos and then here's Abe Vigoda referring to a bouncer as Bruno without, no, you know, just just because he's a bouncer. And, and so then from there, they we get a bit of, you know, stripper nudity and then we go into the back room where fat tony not to be confused with the character from the simpsons um is he's well he's considerate because he's wearing a bib and it looks like he's eating a bucket of fried chicken i think yeah yes now, a bib now let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about bibs for a second okay <laughs> sure what else can you use with a bib so you got chicken wings and uh, got lobster lobster anything else i can use a bib for anything you really bib for life for yeah matt bibs yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, as someone who, who from Maine, um, I, I right. am always afraid of of the bib, right? Like I, I you know, if I, it's like I just take my chances and hope I don't get. I don't. I'm not a big fan of lobster anyway. But um, yesterday here in Philly, um, somebody was visiting us. We were going to this sandwich shop called Paisanos, and um, I got this like, um, like this brisket one that had like horseradish like sauce on it and stuff like that. And like by the time it all came to me, like the juice and the meats and everything just caused the whole thing to like drip everywhere. And I probably 
could have used a bib in that sense. Like I probably, you know, like I, I should, you know, and I just seen this movie and I, I wasn't thinking I probably could have stopped at like a, a children's like, you know, clothing store or something like that and picked up a couple bibs for myself. <laughs> so you go to baby bib or right. baby gap, I guess. Well, like, or, do or they make adult size bibs unless they're like oh. the, the, the lobster kind? The lobster kind of the only kind I know, but I've actually never explored the world of bibs, so it's possible. <laughs> no, I thought some bumper stickers, speaking of lobster, has got lobster, you know, L-O-B-S-T-A-H, question mark. Well, that's how they talk in Maine, obviously. Yeah. So after getting some information from Tony. go back to Tony. You know, who's like another comic character that eats a lot. They go to this house of i guess an an older gay man now to to can't contrast with those younger gay men this is like a roddy mcdowell-esque guy who maybe paul seems, lind mm, he's not really like loud and oh, okay okay roddy McDowell. i think i think roddy mcdowell is a yeah. good correlate yeah, that's a good, that's a good connection because he also is very into hollywood history and has all these old movie posters um because they're on the case they're trying to figure out why all these people are trying to kill keaton that's why they're doing all this stuff so they're going all over galveston they're meeting all these different people they meet this guy who seems very gentle but then some goons show up and blow up his house and he dies and he dies well also, um, so because he asked mike gable if, if he was related to betty gable great right or Clark yeah, Gable, Betty, right? Betty Grable. No, Betty. Right. Was a, oh, oh, you said Clark Gable? Or did you say Betty Grable? I can't remember. Well, because it's Gable, right? So we yeah, had the Clark Gable. It's like, are you related? Are you related? Like, oh no, no. <laughs> but then I guess this so incensed Keaton and Gable that they go on this lengthy car chase slash shootout, which yeah, takes up a lot of screen time. Um, <laughs> and it's well done. I mean, it, I mean, they're out there. They're shooting in the middle of the street. They're they're doing, you know, they're you know they have car chases then. You know, they argue over who should take the wheel. You know, Keaton doesn't drive. He said he's never driven a day in his life. Um, but then he takes Mike Gable's gun, which looks like, you know, a Dirty Harry's gun. It's like a 44 Magnum. And he, it's like bigger than him. Like he can barely lift it. Yeah, he looks uh, like he can't lift it. <laughs> so he's like shooting wild out the window, you know, with this gigantic gun that he's clearly having some trouble holding, much less aiming. Um, um, and so... Then we get some more action quotient here with, you know, chasing, blow up, shooting. Um, but it comes to a very silly and ridiculous end, if you remember this, Matt, where, oh, you know, even though, well, uh, one of the end of this chase oh, okay. where, uh, you know, the baddies have a, the baddies are in front, obviously, and the and Keaton <laughs> and, and the Gable are chasing them, chasing them all throughout Galveston. Then it turns out they have a, a grenade launcher. They're going to shoot it at, you know, Keaton and Gable somehow and I don't know how clear this was they end up blowing themselves up they shoot it like at the floor of their van and they blow themselves up so the chase ends with the baddies blowing themselves up due to no causation by Gable and Keaton at all um that I could gather uh, is that what you guys saw that uh, yes, yeah, and it was, it was a little bit of a warning, right? The um the the driver warns the guy in the back seat to be careful with the grenade launcher because he might blow them all up. And I think the thing is, right, we're so used to you know PM flicks or like you know the the you know Philippine exploitation <laughs> movies where people just drive around in jeeps or like they fly up and down the the highway in L.A. Um, you know, Jeeps in the jungle or whatever with these rocket launchers and grenade launchers and things like that. And there's really no concern about anything blowing up, right? The car doesn't blow up in a PM flip until it does a flip, right? It's not right. because the baddies are, are are shooting, 
you know, grenade launchers out the back of vents. In fact, that's actually a perfectly normal thing. It's mm. it, it's a fascinating attempt at verisimilitude, right? To just suddenly be like, you know, this 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 car chase that happened and all this other stuff, people getting thrown out windows and being somewhat okay after the fact and all the other things that happened in this movie. But the one place that we're going to do some real, like, you know, we're going to do the reality check is kids don't be driving around in the back of a van in a car chase trying to shoot your grenade launcher. Wait till the car comes to a full stop. Get everything together. Make sure you're in a very like stable environment when you shoot your grenade launcher, because otherwise you could blow yourself up. Exactly. If anything, this is a public service announcement. Because, you know, it, that could happen. You know, you hit a bump, you, hit, you know, yeah. who knows? the more you know, you get the NBC rainbow yeah, logo. This, this is just a 90 minute uh, <laughs> PSA. Don't, you know, just. So you get like Keep David it. Schwimmer to say, don't bully people. <laughs> or or, or, or I, I think you say, don't blow people up with your grenade. Yeah, yeah. Don't bl- I can't do um, David Schwimmer, but it's like, it's like, well, so, it, yeah. what were the ones, remember the ones where they would, they would show like the kids doing something bad and then they would like freeze it. And then someone would come in and say something and then they'd go back and do it again. And it would be like the one <laughs> kid saying like, no, let's not like, I think one of them was like some, they, like, like they stole the rec, the, the, the radio out of a guy's car. And and then you know the person gets in the car and they can't turn on their radio because there's no radio there and it's like oh so and then they they go back and do it again and one of the kids is like no let's not steal the radio it'd be like you know like hey let's blow up the grenade you know then like you know the the the, they they freeze it come back again and the driver says no let's not use the grenade launcher right now and you know (laughs) well then when you think stealing something out of a car I go right to the Viper commercial yeah the Viper is one of the best commercials of all time. The snake comes out of the car. I yeah. mean, that's actually really cool. <laughs> well, and, and also when you live in an urban environment like I do, uh, with car alarms going off all the time, it would be so much nicer if it was just the silent snake slithering around <laughs> and scaring people away. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, <laughs> and, and the club, actually, there is yeah. a parking lot near where I work where I noticed we're not one, but two people have the club now. I, They're still using the club. Tool. Yeah. You know, but you know, well, it kind of went out of fashion. But apparently, maybe one person at this job—I don't know what job it is—it's just like a job near my job. One person must have been talking like, "Hey, I have this club, and it's really great." It's like I'll get the club. Now there's two people with the club, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. You never see it, but in this one parking lot, there's two. Um, well, so they're still out there. I learned from somebody that another area that gets stolen from cars, like certain cars, have airbags that. Are really popular on the um on the on the the the, uh, the the black market and um this woman that I was doing uh, my my English teaching course with she um she lived in Dorchester Massachusetts and said that like Honda Pilots apparently the the, the airbag and Honda Pilots were really popular so like apparently like she had a Honda Pilot she had to take her steering wheel off when she parked so they <laughs> wow. wouldn't steal and so the club actually has a secondary benefit in that sense because you can't get the airbag out around the the, the club, right? right? It's hard to yeah, get it that out. Could be, that could be what they're thinking, yeah. Yeah. Um, so as is the flow of this movie, and now we had a big action scene, so now we get to the scene where Jimmy meets Susan. <laughs> and immediately they hit it off because, you know, Jimmy is, like you said, he's very good-natured. Like, he's nice. Which is a good thing in this movie because in a lot of these movies they have a kid who's sort of like troubled or disgruntled, which would be easy to think if you're Mike Gable's son. Mike Gable's no, son, but no, he's like the opposite of Mike Gable. He's happy and he loves blue. Like he's, he loves the beach. Yeah, he's very upbeat and like, he, you know, it's like yeah, like he's very. But it's, it's not annoying. It's just like he's just happy. No, it's and funny. So, I mean, it's funny. And so and, she, yeah. So she makes him a sandwich, and uh, so they they start bonding. So now Mike Gable has a lot to lose if you know now that his family life is kind of coming together. And in in any sort of goons or assassins show up, 
that could be a big problem for Mike Gable. Um, so but then they go to the beach house, right? Mike Gable, Michael Gable, and Lewis Keaton. <laughs> right, and this is where <laughs> this is a weird uh, scene. This is kind of a weird scene where where Keaton kind of goes on this soliloquy where he's talking about the old times and how things have changed and no one does the jitterbug anymore. Um, and then, but what's interesting about this is that he's talking and then like everyone leaves and goes outside on the beach and he's still talking. Like he's like talking to this empty room and in, in this sort of, it's like in a play, like it's really like a soliloquy to no other actual people and where he does the jitterbug and, well, for this like is, a good five minutes. No, and this is you know, all precipitated by a, a, a kind of a scene we've seen before where Mike Gable turns on the radio and it's like country. And then uh, Keaton says, I don't like country. And and I believe his quote was, it feels like someone's hitting me on the head with a guitar, um, <laughs> which he didn't say at all about meet me, which is really <laughs> what that's like. Well, maybe you couldn't hear country. meet me. Well, it was that's kind of far not, away. <laughs> no, it's like, it was. <laughs> uh, but you know this is a very silly you know we've seen in tough and deadly where um billy blanks wants to listen to rap where uh, rowdy rowdy piper doesn't and he was uh, this in the country or was it was a country for him to rock it's just it rock. rock yeah and i think we've seen it in uh, was there another movie where they fight over the radio um but anyway it isn't much of a radio fight but it precipitates this whole soliloquy that keaton then goes on I just want to mention also in that car chase that, he, that uh, Keaton, you know, he says I I taught Tom Mix how to shoot. It's like it's a like, very uh, old yeah. reference. It's yeah, like, so that's his old. <laughs> yeah, which you didn't even know what he said. I, I, I couldn't hear it. it. Yeah, but and then he mentions Tom Mix again later. So yeah, you know, um, it's, he's mixing it up. It's like <laughs> they're mixing it up. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, because I think Keaton has some natural doubts about his ability to shoot, as we kind of yeah. talked about. Um, you know, one, other, one other quick thing I want to say about Susan here is that in the previous scene where, where she spends the night with Lee, Lee Majors and, you know, we had talked about how his house was a mess because he was a cop on the edge and all of that stuff. This introduces what I consider like a third place where magic is acceptable in action movies. So, you know, the first one is ninjas, right? Ninjas can be magic <laughs> in, in an action movie and it's OK if they catch arrows with their teeth or they disappear in smoke um computers are magic right computers can mm -hmm. kind of do whatever we need them to do until they can't um the third place of magic is when a woman spends the night she can in an hour or two because I'm, I'm assuming she sleeps at some point right she can in an hour or two transform the messiest place into like this beautifully clean environment um and yeah. so when the hero wakes up in the morning he wakes up to this very clean place that the 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 this woman has has, has fixed up it's it only seems to happen in action movies but they have this ability this magic ability to turn dirty spaces into clean spaces in a matter of like an hour or two they don't well, show that. It usually would be a montage for something else. But yeah, like, the clean up the house montage, which I yeah. always like. But yeah, but to your point, they didn't even bother with that. It was, they, she just did it. And um, I think, you know, could that be a metaphor for uh, the soul of Mike Gable? You know, through, <laughs> through, through his connection with helping Keaton, he's getting his life together. He yeah. went from a slovenly guy who was gargling with beer in the morning to now having a, a solid domestic life and to solving the problems of the community. Yeah. Right. So he's, he's, you know, through the power of Susan, he's yeah. changing his life for the better. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think that was that much of a stretch. Uh, no, not at all. But now, after it's all a deep that, dive well, of, <laughs> of, of, of Mike Gable's soul. 
yes, the soul of Mike Gable. <laughs> that could be the name of the uh, episode, the soul of Mike Gable, Keaton's cop breakdown. <laughs> it could be. We could talk about that. Yeah, so. we need a title anyway, so I had trouble thinking about it. I think we could call it Let's Watch Keaton's Cop. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's a fun kind of invite. Let's, Let's Watch Keaton's Cop. Yeah. Um, In this episode, another movie breakdown begins with DTVC, the guest, <laughs> and we're talking about Keaton's Cop in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so, people read this before they hear yeah. this. Now they're an hour into the podcast. so Yeah, I know. You know they want to confuse <laughs> People. No, it'd just be but, funny if we actually put that in the in the description. And this actually, <laughs> yeah, well, that's we will. Uh, but now, after we're all going. this funny memes, we're kind of heading towards the climax. Now yeah, we haven't right. we haven't yet talked about Art Lafleur. Now Art Lafleur plays a cop in the kind of department with with Gable. And he looks right? kind of shifty. You know, it's like the he Simpsons does. with the guy shifting his eyes from side to side. He kind of is like a shifty looking guy, well, and it turns he has... out ahead, he sorry, is. Sorry. No, that's all. Go ahead. No, I'm not cut you off. Well, I just said that it turns out Art LaFleur is in with Big Mama with this whole property development scheme at the Churchill housing development, which was guarded by the sandwich man. Right. Uh, but I will say that Art LaFleur has kind of like shifty eyes face or evil face, kind of. You know, he's like, it always looks right. like he's up to something. It's like, because he had that so, face. But it's at this point in the movie where we see Big Mama. We yes. were introduced to June Wilkinson. We see that she's connected to Art LaFleur and some other, some criminal underworld. Yeah. And that, in, you know, in the old days, uh, that they, you know, Keaton remembers this area of town. And now they've built what's called the Churchill Housing Development on it. And then he sneaks in and sees that in the fireplace, there are like these gold bars. Right. So. Yeah, I couldn't like, tell oh. it was gold bars. It was really dark. Or he, there's something in the wall like some money or something there's yeah. some sort of treasure in in there that was hidden i guess by by big mama because it couldn't have been by keaton because they built the housing development on top of it the wasn't by keaton because he maybe went into the joint after he hit it uh, it was I, wasn't the, I guess that's possible they don't really make that clear yeah no, mad what do you think was it gold or was it uh cash money millionaires so i think it was i think it was gold right but i it was gold, oh, no okay. no it was cash no it was maybe it could have been both I thought it was $30 million or it was high. It was a high amount. Well, because, again, Abe Pagoda, as a guy in his – he's in his 70s for this film. I mean, he's, he's – he does a lot of work when he gets to the location. Like, for again, similar to, to Tracy Brooks as Susan cleaning the house in an hour or two, uh, Abe Pagoda does a lot of, like, trap setting and gathering money yes, and all that kind of stuff. For someone of his age and his ability to move around, um, unless he was slow playing it the whole time, um, you know, he he put a lot of work in there to take care of business. And I, I, it's it's very much like an eight, like you talk about the A team, where it's just sort of like they just get some welding out, and within like a yeah. you know a montage, suddenly they've created some mega weapon vehicle yes, that they can you yes. know. As I'm watching the show now, that's there's a scene usually about like 38 minutes into the episode where there's a welding scene where they kind of put it all together. <laughs> yeah. So. We said in the last podcast, I think that what. Was that uh, mentioned? Yeah, what yeah, was we that? mentioned that. Well, I don't remember why, but we did mention that. Um, so now it's all coming to a head because yes. uh, Big Mama Bruno comes back, Mike Gable, Fat Tony, um, I think Big Mama's husband are all at this house, and, and I think the sandwich guard is there. They're all yeah, at he's this, there too. They're all they're like all in this dark kind of unlit. Uh, I guess it's a, a condo house apartment where where the money is, and they're I guess they're gonna fight it out. But Matt, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Gable had the time and energy and know how or to Keaton, right? 
Oh, oh yeah, Keaton, right, Keaton, uh, to to kind of do some saw style traps where he uh, I'm Home Alone like, or Rambo Live Home Blood Home or something. Alone, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> where there's like a, a fire, like a that was a great thing. effect, by the way. It really was. It was like a. Yeah. How would you describe that? It's like a long. It was, like, it was this long wick, fuse. Wick, John, like, <laughs> John Wick. Where long he wick. lights it, and then but it's like really really long, and it snakes throughout different rooms. And it was really cool. I thought that was really yeah. good. That was so cool. Yeah. I, I like that kind of stuff. I like when they have that kind of long wick. Yeah. Oh no, and it was gold bars. I wrote in my notes gold. It gold was gold bars. bars? Okay. okay, it wasn't money. All right. And then there's a Got shootout. It. A bunch of people die. Well, that's uh, the thing. I want to talk about that for a second. So it's like, this becomes a kind of a dark ending for the movie because it's like it's Ava go to and Gable to sh- murdering everybody <laughs> when they come into like a special room with the gold bar. They come in, he gets killed. The guy that gets killed, <laughs> gets killed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially like uh, I think um, Big Mama's husband. I mean, he gets shot like kind of brutally. <laughs> um, uh, so it's it's again, it's part of the whole strange tone of this movie which is not a bad thing it's just kind of like no i just thought that was kind of interesting how they did this weird ending where everyone just gets murdered <laughs> but then after everyone gets murdered it's like the entire city of galveston is there cheering and so it's like oh, well there's fire? more to this right well june wilkinson es- escapes this gunfight fire right right and she then gets arrested she gets arrested right um, well, almost under the movie <laughs> yeah and so for some reason most of the population of galveston was there, knew to be there, and is cheering. They're cheering. <laughs> Why? Okay, Matt, here's a question. Matt, yeah, go that. Why are they cheering? Yeah, I didn't understand this either because I I don't know, like, what... what <laughs> Isn't this but, a private showdown? How do they know this? But also, they know too, this is going... This and, and so what? So if they all die, well, why do all these people care? Why do they even know about this? Like, why are they cheering? I mean, I'm but, happy they're cheering, but I want to know why they're cheering. And also, too, they're not are they they're not in Galveston, right? Because they're on the mainland where this this building was. So did these people take the ferry over to to, to celebrate this? Like like including including Susan and and you know the son and 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 the dog. Did they hop on the ferry to like go to be there at the end for this? Because my understanding was this wasn't in Galveston. It was like some little place on the other side. So how does it affect them? Like is is Big Mama such a terror to everyone that now she's taken down and everyone's like super happy about I it? I wish that was something that was better explained. I mean, like yes, but like, I, in a way, I'm kind of glad it wasn't because it's yeah. so like, as it's a kid, so, it's so random. So random. It's like, it's like, it's like random. <laughs> but but this really is random. Like, yeah. why are they? It's not a cliche <laughs> in this case. It's it's very random. <laughs> All these like a huge crowd of people is cheering the outcome of what happened at this Churchill Estates. <laughs> they how do they know do they did they coordinate their schedules to all be there at this time i just i don't want to read too much into it but i thought it was funny and interesting that all these people are cheering the outcome of of the gable keaton experience which also could have been a name for the movie yes <laughs> well now well, it's the band together uh, but it's called keaton's cop oh yeah that, that, that leads right to what we want to talk about which is yeah. right in my notes which is it's a funny title so so it's called keaton's cop so so Keaton is the focus, and Mike Gable is his cop, because you'd think they might have called it Keaton and the cop, but it's Keaton's cop. <laughs> Thoughts on that? Well, because so my they didn't play enough into this idea, right? But the idea is supposed to be that 
Lee Majors' character was like chauffeuring or like taking Keaton around and protecting him. And of course, they play into it a little bit, right? Remember when, when Keaton first gets um, put into the safe house? It's a, it's a hotel, and he just starts running up this huge bill. Um, right. I'm glad like, you mentioned that. I wanted to mention that. And he, yeah. he kind of teaches the guards that are guarding him about the good life. You know, they, they want to get pizza, and they go, no, 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 we're getting steak. And then he has like this whole buffet set up for like many, many people, and they can just eat whatever they want, which is a pretty sweet deal. Of course, they end up dying, but still, they had a good time before they died. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's his cop, and that's possessive, right? I forgot they all died. I forgot that they, <laughs> they, all, they all, just, a lot of people died in this movie. One, <laughs> one of the assassins shows up and just kills a bunch of right. policemen, which is kind of a big deal. I mean, that's they, you know, <laughs> but then they're taking it lightly in another scene, and then they're killing cops in another scene. It's 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 craziness. Well, again, it goes back to that idea of of people being complicit in their own demise, right? That, like, you get Goldberg, who can't count and can't see, so he's primed for the killing. But then you get these two cops who, when they are supposed to be protecting Abe Vigoda, working and making sure he doesn't run up a huge room sort of his tab they're instead enjoying the fruits of that you know and they're 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 eating all this great stuff too and you know having them you know you know i don't know he didn't he doesn't cut them any suits but they definitely drink and eat and stuff like that it's almost like you know um it's almost like i don't want to say they deserve to die but that's how these movies kind of set it up that we're not supposed to feel as bad that they they, that they bit it um whereas for me actually i kind of enjoyed them i thought they were kind of fun guys and you're right it's kind of too bad yeah, yeah, I agree, and but yeah. it's true. Like if you're not on guard and you're getting fat and happy, you know, where you're 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 stuffing your face and you're you're getting logy and you're not protecting Keaton. It, you're right. It kind of the temptation led to their ultimate lies. So I definitely see what you're saying. Um, like, and then I, you know the credits start rolling. Sax in classic '80s, early what '90s was, fashion. What was kind of the theme because I was I like my own song. Uh, it, it, oh, the, the end song was really great. It was an instrumental yeah. song, but we added lyrics to it. it um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I don't remember like, the tune right now. It's but like it was, key in. Key in. Yeah. I mean, that could have been a single. They could have released that as a single. But, uh, well, it was, we, it was like we a, had opposites attract, you know. Just like, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you think you know, Wild in the Streets or Keaton's going to get you. So they had, there's well, a, that's true. That's true. It, they, I'm surprised they didn't play that again at the end. There's of the a movie. lot of good music in this uh, movie. And it's funny that because I thought they did close the movie with Keaton's going to get you, but they don't. It's this other song. I thought it was going to, I don't remember that it was this other cool, like, instrumental saxophone. Maybe the Ape Vagoda on saxophone. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He, he's like the guy from Lost Boys. Um, yeah, that, that guy's great. I mean, like, uh, he clearly stole the movie. But I'm like, um, <laughs> I mean, we're lucky to have that. <laughs> we really are. Um, and I, we kind of touched on this, but the last thing I have in my notes is that one of the funny differences, if we're going to compare and contrast um, Righteous Kill with Keaton's Cop, is that in Keaton's Cop, the elderly and older actors admit they're old. Right. You know, they, you know, they say, "I'm old." This is about. You know, they they make cracks and jokes about their age, whereas in Righteous Kill, they don't. No. And they pretend they're young, and that's where a lot of the unintentional humor comes from. So at least in Keaton's Cop, you got to give them credit for their honesty. You know, I'm they, 35 years old. Yeah, yeah, they didn't do any of that. They all, you know, they... Tom you know, Cowan. <laughs> Keaton what, and, and, and... Keaton Rickles. and Cowan. Or what's the other guy's name? It's like, oh, Rooster <laughs> Turk. It's like... Um, so, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but just that they... No, I see. 
Because <laughs> Canon's almost like Millennium or New Image in a way. They're almost like the successors. So it's kind of, I can see the similarities a little bit. Uh, and also uh, June Wilkinson and Abe Vigoda <laughs> were in Vasectomy and Delicate Matter together. See, that's why it all, it all goes back to that. They're Burge yeah. mainstays. Yeah, the, the, the Burge stock company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Burge players. Yeah, the Burge players. So I guess that's it for the breakdown. Matt, you also watched something else of a certain majors. So funny oh, enough, yeah. um, so, so you know, um, we talked about Art Camacho on my site. He had 49 tags, so we were looking for his 50th tag. And, and Ty had mentioned, you know, oh, Chinatown Connection. It's got Art Camacho. He has a star, you know, it's a co-starring role in it. So he's, he's actually in it as an actor a lot. That'd be a great one for the 50th post. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do that one, you know. And so Thursday, you know, Thanksgiving, I was, you know, kind of before I was getting stuff together and everything, I was doing a kind of double feature to watch Chinatown Connection for the site and then this for, for our podcast here and realized I was doing Lee Majors the second in Chinatown Connection and Lee Majors the first or just Lee Majors, I guess. <laughs> regular, <you know? laughs> regular Lee Majors. <laughs> regular Lee Majors for this one. So it was a Majors double feature, uh, which was re- really fun. And I, I, it's funny, Lee Majors the second, he's just like, he's, he's like, I don't know, like you're kind of like your schlubby, like, 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 I don't know, like, like, um, Matlock, like, like, like investigative, you know, like, like yeah. kind of a younger Kiefer Sutherland looking guy, right? In the movie, at least. Yeah, he's very much like the guy that like Matlock would send out to like do some investigative stuff for him, like while he was solving a case, you know, and this guy would like show up with his mustache and his like, <laughs> his like, you know, like bolo tie, maybe in tight jeans. And he'd be like asking questions and then maybe someone would shoot at him and he'd like run away and, and you know, have to be like, I, I couldn't believe it, Matlock, but I did get some information for you, you know, that, that kind of thing. But I am a fan of Chinatown Connection. And that's another movie we could actually probably do a full breakdown on. It's it's a lot of fun, and I remember enjoying it a lot. I mean, it, yeah, it was it, it was a blast. I, I mean, mean it's, like, it's, Bruce Lai, of course, Matt. Yeah, I love Bruce yeah. Lai's hair in it. Oh, his hair, and then the members only jacket with the tie oh, yeah. in that one scene. I mean, and then like the the, the scene where like the, the funniest thing about it is how they they try to play up this whole like East meets West thing, and like Lee Majors the second is supposed to be like almost like Roddy Piper and Last to Surrender type character. But they really don't do enough with it. Like the most that they do with it is Lee Majors II goes to Lee's or Lie's house and Brinka Stevens, of all people, is Lee's wife or Lie's wife. And um, she's like, do you want dinner? And he's thinking, oh, because it's so Asian in here, even though Brinka Stevens is not Asian at all. He's like thinking it's going to be like some fancy Asian dish. And he's like, well, I'm actually more of a meat and potatoes guy. She's like, well, we're making hamburgers. Is that fine? You know, it's like, but like instead of being like, oh, you know, I've already eaten or what what are you having? What would, you know, before he says I'm a meat and potatoes guy, he's just like, I'm a more meat and potatoes guy. That was like the the most that they got in the whole East meets West thing, which I actually kind of appreciated because they, they, you know, we had more like, you know, finding Coke and cheese wheels and, you know, Bruce Lai and and, and the members only jacket to make it a much better deal. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we could talk more about Chinatown Connection at another time, but I do find interesting that you did a majors double feature. That's amazing. Without, without intending to. Like, was it, yeah. it was one of those things where it's like, after the fact, I realized, I was like, oh, I'm doubling up on my majors here. <laughs> you got a double major. A double, double major. You have to go back to the minors. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Major League did. Major League. Um, <laughs> majors League. That could yeah, be Lee Majors League. <laughs> oh, that would be a great movie with those two. I think Majors the Second hasn't done anything since Ice Cream Man, right? Oh, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, I don't think he's done anything since then. I think when I looked him up for the review. So for some reason, he just got out of the business completely, whereas Lee Majors is still making stuff. Now, do you want to do like another like 
like final thoughts on Keaton's well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do final yeah. thoughts. I mean, because yeah, you know, this is, like Righteous Kill, I had like contemporary critic reviews. I didn't really find. I mean, we have that. our review. I mean, I uh, yeah, we have our. But I mean, yeah, I mean, but there's no one from the New York Times or like Newsweek talking oh, about this. No, so no. Um, can be didn't review. Yeah, no, it, Vince yeah. can be. You know, so uh, <laughs> I guess final thoughts. I would my. I'll go first. My final thought would be. It's an entertaining movie. It's an unusual movie. It's one of those only in the, I'll say 80s, even though it came out 1990, but it's only in the video store era type of movie that we kind of touched upon. It's, you know, John Wickles gets shot with a shotgun. There's a bunch of wacky characters, but then there's some more serious moments and some more funny moments and it's all a big mishmash. And it's very entertaining. Um, it's over before you know it. it it's never boring. Um, and it's just one of those only at, at that place in time type movie. I don't think you can make it today. And um, I, I think and the, the themes are interesting because, you know, normally there's young kids like, you know, like Sean Ferris and all these young kind of himbo characters. Here it's like older characters, which is not explored too much, you know, certainly in movies like this. So I would say it's absolutely worth watching. And as of this recording, it's on Tubi. So you can watch it on it Tubi. It is on Tubi. Okay. I yeah. could, you checked Tubi, Brett? I checked. Well, I, well, I checked. I checked. Yes. And it, as of right now, it's on Tubi. It could go away tomorrow, but it's on Tubi right now. Well, they must have TV? just added it. I think oh, they must have just added it. Okay. Yeah, no, I think they, they must have just added it because I I had to do it on um, YouTube, but then also you can rent it on cable. Um, so they you I, rent I, it on Gable. I, 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 <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad that's not you guys didn't give your final thoughts because we could end the podcast on that. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, that but, could uh, be my final thought. <laughs> uh, uh, Matt, what's your final wrap up on Keaton's Cop? So I think. If 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 righteous kill didn't exist, right? I mean, righteous kill. What is a that, terrible world we'd be living right? in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, we think of righteous kill as this movie that like we feel lucky that this thing exists, right? Because it's just so out there and absurd, but it's so much fun to watch. I think if righteous kill didn't exist, Keaton's Cop would be that movie. I th- I think Keaton's Cop is still a lot of fun, and it still it does it. It's just it's. It's like until the existence of Righteous Kill, Keaton's Cop was the movie that we're talking about when we talk about that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I get what we're, you're saying. Yeah. You know, just so many ridiculous things that happen in this movie with Abe Vigoda, with with Don Rickles, with Lee Majors, with a dog named Blue, you know, just mm. all kinds of stuff just going on. It, Like you said, it's a lot of fun. And it's it, it's again, it's one of these quirks of, of movie making that when when the the. When cinema was invented back in, you know, whatever, the late 19th, late 19th century, whenever it was, the concept of a Keaton's cop never would have crossed anybody's <laughs> mind. But we've got it. And and it just is so we're so much better for having it. Yeah, I think that's if I like your point. I, I, I do like your, you know, your up, your upbeat, positive attitude about this. Yeah, like we should be thankful. I mean, so it was just Thanksgiving. We should be thankful for Keaton's cop. That's a great segue into uh, my final thoughts. Hi, what's like, your final thoughts? Because here's it, we're lucky to have it because it's, it's another wacky canon movie. So out of the 50, 100 movies they produce a, a week, this came out of the assembly line. You can't, you just yeah, can't but believe it. It's more it. than that. It's more. Than, it's, it's, it's more than just an assembly line, though. This is something a little bit different because you have Don Rickles getting killed yeah. by a shot in a, with a shotgun with no jokes. It's like, no jokes. Yeah, no yeah. jokes. Yeah, he, it, he doesn't call anyone a hockey puck. He doesn't, you know, <laughs> he doesn't insult anyone. You know, it, you're right. It's, it's, it's there's this, and then I think it's blue, like Lee Major's like real dog. I think there there was something. Yeah, about 
that's his that's his but dog. I, I think Blue's it was great. Jimmy was great because he wanted to go to the zoo, Dan. And it it was kind of a somewhat of an upbeat some an upbeat tone towards until the end. Everyone gets killed, but it was. <laughs> but then like, people are cheering though, so it they cheer, so it's a happy ending for King. That's what's good about this movie. Actually, it's kind of lighthearted in a way. It, yeah, it's I mean the presence of Jimmy and Blue. Yeah, oh yeah, and the you know the presence of Jimmy and Blue and to a certain extent Susan, they give it that upbeat flavor to kind of counteract some of the more violent and darker moments, which which are here. Um, but uh, yeah, so those are my thoughts. So, all right, well, that's it. I mean, that's the that's our breakdown of Keaton's Cop. Um, if you've seen it, if you love it, it just let us know. And um, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, we find something important. Oh. Isn't this the hundredth episode? <laughs> oh, yes, I think this will be the hundredth episode. <laughs> oh so, my what goodness. better way to celebrate the hundredth episode? Yeah. Uh, I wish you saw that with, with a movie which possibly features some 100 year olds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I wish you, just, you should move that line to the beginning of the pod. Uh, <laughs> no, no, can't, no, do, can't do that. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll save the gold for the end. You have to reward people for listening to all through this. And if you have listened to all, to all of this, thank you. And also, uh, if you've listened to all 100 episodes, thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. If there's anyone out there that's done that, I think, uh, thank wow. you. Which kind of reminds me that um, the Fount Man uh, was saying that we haven't thanked the Warriors in a while. Oh, so, he said that the other day? Okay. So I do want to thank all the comeuppance Warriors and, of course, the Fount Man himself, who's a great guy and um, a, a fan of the show and just a good friend. One of these days, he should probably get pop on. He can talk yeah, about yeah, that would be memories. Good. And movie theater memories, that was something. Matt, I know we're talking about that. Yeah, yeah. We, we can work on that. We can develop that. We can talk off air about that. Okay, just want to get that out there to some people to tease. You know, it's like, well, the hundredth episode. I guess you know, you can't really go without doing this. It's the hundredth episode. It's great. <laughs> I love Keaton's cop. Okay, it's like great movie. I love Abe Vigoda. Don Rickles. I was gonna be. <laughs> he's gonna be my vice president, but I picked Pence. Okay, you know, yeah. Pence is a hockey puck. Okay, I thought of that for him. <laughs> It's like, yeah. like, 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 hey, Vigoda, dad, dad in January 2016, didn't stay yeah. around long enough to vote for me, so I yeah. kind of hold that against him, but otherwise, you know, yeah, otherwise, a great friend. <laughs> Louis Keaton, great guy. Louis Keaton. Um, if you go, he would have voted for me if he just stayed a little alive, a little bit longer. I can't, yeah. I thought he was dead before, too, but it's like, yeah, he's alive. Like one, one whole episode with no Trump, and uh, we were close, but I can't. We were close, we were so close. Um, wow. Why did you not want you want no, a non-Trump no. kind of thing? Okay. No, we all love your Trump. I'm just I'm just kidding around. I know. Keating around. So I'm a Keating around. Yeah. So uh, so <laughs> Matt, uh, is, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. So dtvconnoisseur.blogspot.com. That's where you can really find everything. So this the the reviews are there. Um, links to the podcast are there. Um, links to my novels are there. What are um, the novels? What are, the, what are all the novels now? So the most recent one is Don's House in the Mountains. So that one you can find on uh, Amazon. Don's House in the Mountains. Don Rickles. Don Rickles. Don Rickles House in the Mountains. I didn't even think of Don Rickles. That would have been amazing to do it. I should. I should write a new novel with Don Rickles. Like just yeah. Um, I just see him like in the window staring at you creepily. It's like I'm in the mountains, you hockey puck. It's like he doesn't really. It's that episode of Tales from the Crypt. Right. Up, what what was his role in that? I don't remember. He was really good. He was excellent. It's a really good episode. Only um, was in season seven. <laughs> no, no, no. It's before that. It involves a ventriloquist, uh, Dominic. Yes, Mr. Oh, Angle's right. yes, ventriloquist. Thank you. Yes, yeah. I do remember that now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it, he's. It, I never. because yeah, it, it, would he be considered like um public domain at this point now that he's 
he's, he's been alive uh, long enough and he's passed point. away. Is he public domain that you can just write about him? I don't know, but you know, you can as an as an author, you probably know about historical metafiction. Like you could right. you can you could include Don Rickles in you can interpolate him into any novel you want. You might, right, right. You know, you, you you do Don Pickles and, or something. And, well, you even have to. You can like okay. write a historical novel. You can have Abraham Lincoln doing stuff and saying things. Like you can do whatever you want. So like if you if you want to go down that you know historical metafiction route, you could you could include him as a character in a in a in a novel. Well, that's a good point. Like, and also like like Ty's point about the Don Pickles thing, where like <laughs> like like people would know it's Don Rickles, but then I could do whatever I want with him, and people wouldn't be like, well, Don Rickles never did that. You know, Don Rickles is he's, that's not that's not Don Rickles' past. He was this person or that. You know, it's like Don Rickles was doing you know the celebrity roast at that time. He wouldn't be over in Switzerland or whatever. You know, it's like whatever you do. You know, so there there is that part of it too. But then like actually having it be Don Rickles, like 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 even like the, like this idea of like a police officer, like a Keaton's cop. You know, like he just like meets. Don Rickles and has to like you know like yeah Don Rickles is like yeah some crazy idea where Don Rickles is like uh like uh, an informant for the mob or something and it's just like yeah, yeah but Keaton, it's actually you know, Don Rickles yeah you could write an unofficial sequel in novel form a Keaton's Cop two right and uh <laughs> and Ron Pickles is involved right. so. well it's like Albert Pion did the the uno- he did a sequel to Streets of Fire right Road to Hell where I mean he did get Michael Pare in in the movie but he did it he just did his own sequel to it I could just be like yeah I'm just gonna write my own Ke- Keaton's Cop sequel and just be like I guess is canon who owns the rights to Keaton's Cop to be able to come to me and be like like you can't just use those characters you know it's like um and then again I would have to go you know the, the tie route and just be like it, it it would be you know Mike Cable instead of Mike Gable um <laughs> yeah it could be called after the cheering right yeah, Keaton's, the, Co- Keaton's Cop too right like what happened after but that's the question you would have to answer as the as the author you'd have to what happened after the cheering the crowd yeah. cheers as Mike Gable and Jimmy <laughs> and Blue go away but what happened next Find out. Uh, Find out. Keen's Cop 2. Keen's Cop 2 after the cheers. And what, what did your other books get? So we had uh, Don so, and the Mountain. Don's House in the Mountains, um, Holtman <laughs> Arms, right. uh, A Girl and a Gun, and then Chad and Accounting. And all of the novels have new covers. So remember in the oh, past, okay. of the, I just did the title and my, my, my name was just like a blank, you know, one color cover. I've added designs to the covers now. So they all have designs um, for anybody to, you know, check those out. And then like Don's House in the Mountains, I discovered if you go to Amazon and type in Don's House in the Mountains, it comes up. Um, the other yeah, novels, great. I think, yeah, I think the other ones don't show up because like there's well, something else that's close enough to them. Because girl um, in the gun, you know, if you change it to girl in a Trump, I feel like that would be something. <laughs> what would that sound like? <laughs> <laughs> the girl in the Trump and the Trump, and she's the girl. Okay, it's like. Eleven to forty-five. That's the point of the president. She's 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 not as good as Melania, but uh, she's okay. You know, not my type. Not my type. Not my type. I'm the 45th president. I may have sexually harassed her, but she's not my type. Why would I sexually <laughs> harass her? She's not my type. I would never do that. No, no. I wouldn't do that. Okay. In Hopeman's arms, it's like Trump Tower. The right. change everything to Trump. Okay. It's like... Because <laughs> Trump's president, right? You can actually use him for anything. I think that's like one of the things. Like the president is like fair game for anything. I think, yeah, right? You can always do anything with the president. And, yeah. and yeah. you got this right in front of you. Trump in accounting. It's right. Trump in accounting. <laughs> Trump in accounting. For Mar-a-Lago for my accounting business. Right. Okay. Great accounting is the best. <laughs> Trump accounting is the best. Yeah. Everybody goes like, you did a horrible job accounting all this. Yes, but we got your money. Yeah, we got your yeah. money. That's what we needed. Get your money. Right. It's in the mail. Trump checks in the mail. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Quote, uh, uh, what's his name from Low Blow? Uh, Leo Fong. 
Jackson. Jackson. His line delivery on that is all time. Low blow. Yes. That could be a breakdown movie. You want to break down low blow? Oh, low blow would be wow. Yeah. I don't know if I can do it without laughing the whole time. <laughs> well, we should come up with some ideas for another movie breakdown. And um, well, I, we have I, what? We have low blow, and then we have Chinatown um, Connection. Well, you can't yeah. go wrong with either one of those. And wow. we can have some other ones, like some of the some like other movies like that that we both really like, but people don't talk about so much. Like I would say we maybe should not do. Like Miami Connection or San Francisco. No, no, people have done that. People have done that. So I feel like I think Low Blow Chinatown Connection is, is uh, or, or, or what's that crazy one that um, Yorgo Agnanovsky? Warrior of Justice. Warrior of Justice. That would be a crazy one. <sighs> Why do I remember that top of my head? You gotta watch this one, Matt. Did you see this yeah, one? It's Richard That Lynch. one I haven't seen. No, oh, no, no okay. Low Blow okay. definitely, but um, okay. yeah, I haven't seen Warrior of Justice. That's just. Because that would be a good excuse for you to watch it, you know. So yeah, hopefully it's on yeah. YouTube or that looks like a two. Yeah, I don't know if it's available. We'll have to look yeah. into that. But in any case, uh, Ty, um, anything you want to say about comeuppance reviews? Oh, that's right. Well, I'm gonna do our plug. Was, all right, so comeuppancereviews.net is the website, which is also on Facebook under that name. Ty comeuppance is on the Twitter or X. Uh, Ty Action Rocks is the Instagram handle. You can find me there. And the movie I posted was Zombie versus Ninja. Uh, a classic Godfrey Ho silliness because it's Ninja November on Instagram, I guess. Oh, and I well, at least watched that one. That. So it's like you have a ton of Ninja movies in your collection. So. Oh my, I haven't watched it. I have Ninja Fantasy, uh, Ninja Weapons of Death, uh, <laughs> Super Ninja, Ultimate Ninja. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it goes on and on. It goes on and on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, get the other ones. Yeah, some other ones. But, Thank you for listening. If oh, you listen. oh, thanks, Matt, for being on the show. <laughs> Matt, thank yeah. you. No, this was another really fun one. I think this is this this movie. I had never seen Keaton Scott before, and I definitely feel a lot better for having <laughs> seen it. It's definitely Great. that kind of movie that you Love feel. Love hearing that. Yeah, you, you know, you, sometimes you need that 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 boost in life to be like, hey, you know, some <laughs> things out there exist that are just nice and good, and this is one of those things. Great way couldn't to end th- it. Couldn't think of a better way to end the podcast. So, uh, thank you, everyone, and thanks again. Bye, bye, bye. Um, wait so the reason is not him or what is it <laughs> so like, no, the reason is the reason is him okay, uh, the also, reason is-